The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Barca Blogranas podcast. My name is Josh. I am joined by my humble, talented co-host, Renato. Renato, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for the compliments. You're welcome. Um, so today is going to be a little bit of a different podcast. There are obviously no matches for obvious reasons. So we're going to touch on some, some news relating to Barcelona as well as UEFA and La Liga. And then we're going to dive into something a little bit different um, because there's no sports to talk about. So uh, just getting into the business end of things, um, earlier this week there was um, a report that UEFA was meeting on Tuesday a couple days ago to talk about how to handle some of the domestic competition and European competition. Uh, they, of course, moved back the Euros till next year to allow for more scheduling flexibility uh, for the domestic and European leagues. Uh, they rescheduled the Champions League final for June 27th in Turkey. Uh, they project football as a broader term. There was a report returning in mid-April. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of the the preemptive rescheduling of the Champions League final? Uh, my my quick thoughts were like it it seems a, like a little preemptive to just already be rescheduling things but then again uh i guess it can't hurt to be preemptive when it comes to scheduling arenas and getting schedule coordination and that kind of thing yeah i think one really important factor here uh, that has to be mentioned is that um uh, uefa and the leagues and, and european football um they want to do if, if it's at all possible, they want to end the season before June 30th because that's when a lot of contracts will end. Um, and July 1st, a lot of contracts will start with new clubs, players moving and stuff like that. For example, just one example, Barcelona signed Francisco Trincão from from Braga. His contract with Barcelona starts in, Ju- in July 1st, but if there's still a season going on in July 1st, obviously he can't join Barcelona so then all the contracts will have to be uh, extended until the end of the season, whenever it is. So they are tr- they are really hoping that football can return within the next month and a half so that th- they can somehow, uh, each league will decide, obviously, end the season before June 30th um, so that they don't have to mess with the contracts. Um, but obviously that's looking like... Uh, uh, obviously, that's looking difficult. Uh, but what I do think will happen, um, not what I, I don't think this will happen, but I think what could happen is that they just give this thing a month, a month and a half, and then they just play it behind closed doors. I think that that's where we'll, we'll get it um, because they're just losing so much money already. Um, 
and it's going to screw up the, the schedule for the next two years, but, uh, at least, especially with the World Cup being in December or in November of, the, of 2022. Um, they just have a crazy uh, schedule issue with this thing. And so if if things get desperate, I just think, it, uh, um, the, I mean, uh, the football calendar thing gets desperate and uh, things are a little, a, a little bit at least better um, in terms of public health and stuff like that. And people are able to, to kind of move around a little bit, at least the players and the clubs and stuff like that. I just think we're going to eventually get a few games behind closed doors for a few weeks until it's safe to have uh, more fans. Um, and then we're people are just going to try to play this out until the end of June. So we don't have a lot of issues with contracts. That's just, that's just uh, an important factor here. Yeah, for sure. I think the only difficulty really, I mean, really the games behind closed doors will seemingly happen as soon as uh, countries can get past that whole, like, you know, no groups over X amount meeting in one place. Um, because even with a closed doors football match, I mean, you're looking at close to 50 people, probably, even if you cut off half the training staff, all that stuff. So as soon as we can get to that point, hopefully matches can resume behind closed doors. And those of us that are still stuck at home will have something to watch like yourself. Um, and I think the um, I think I, I I don't know I think we've talked enough about when leagues will resume. So, do you want to get on to transfer rumors, or do you have any other thoughts on La Liga and UEFA? Yeah, I think um, I do. I do think uh, it's uh, we should compliment the way football has has answered this because I personally was really worried that money would just talk um, and they would just disregard com- any type of logic and just keep playing the games even as players were being infected and stuff like that just because they don't want to lose the money some leagues certainly uh, tried to do that but I, I will agree with you most leagues did seem to take it very seriously very quickly yeah. um obviously uefa and the premier league are the worst examples they tried to push this thing back as much as they could but again they just uh saw the the logic and and decided to stop this but um Obviously, it's not easy to stop all sports. Um, so you've got to commend the people for doing it. Like, to me, the best example of all, just to go off topic a little bit, is the NBA. Like, as soon as one player got infected, there was a little bit of a conversation of playing games behind closed doors. As soon as a player got it, no, we're stopping the whole thing. Like, we're not, there's not even conversation. They just stopped the whole thing. And, um, uh, that that's commendable, obviously, because it's not easy to stop all sports um, and just send people home. And some of them, a lot of them are getting paid because they're not part of the, the team and stuff like that. And it's just a, it's just really complicated stuff. But it's it was obviously the right thing to do. So I commend them for it. Agreed. Uh, I think that's a, a positive positive note to mention. Uh, so the Latoro stuff is obviously still relevant. I think that's probably going to be the biggest uh, Barcelona storyline. We've been looking for that striker of the future for a long time. Um, Timo Warner's obviously been someone whose name has popped up for the last 12 months uh, with that position. Um, the Latoro stuff... I think what's most interesting to me is the sort of package that Barcelona are going to have to put together to send back to Inter Milan. Um, the the sort of like players plus cash 
deal is obviously the most appealing for both sides uh, because um, Barcelona can't pay just straight up the release clause and whatever else is necessary. They're going to have to put a player forward uh, just for financial fair play reasons and uh, budget reasons. But how do you view, like, I guess as a Barcelona uh, writer, blogger, person, fan, um, what is the ultimate package that you would be okay with sending back to Milan for Laturo? Obviously, I want something that only benefits Barcelona. Sure, so of course. But, like, I, I guess what I'm asking is, like, a reasonable package. Like, of all the ones you've kind of heard rumored or leaked, like, what do you think is the most reasonable package? Uh, honestly, no one. I would rather just send the money because the players that I want uh, on the package are Arturo Vidal and Ivan Rakitic, but Inter Milan are not going to get those guys because they're midfielders and they're um, over 30. Um, so Inter Milan, if they accept a player, which I don't think they do, I think they just want the money, and I think they want a lot of money, obviously. Uh, they, they just rather reinvest that in players they actually want instead of just taking mm-hmm. players from Barcelona who might not fit what they do just so just to make Barca happy. I don't think they do that at all. So I'd actually just rather them Barca pay the money and then we find a way to sell the guys that we need to sell, like um, um, especially Rakitic and Vidal. Um, just... Oh, obviously, I've made my feelings pretty clear on Rakitic over the, the over the time, um, and I love Vidal. But those guys are just they're they're too they're too old uh, to be part of our future. And I do think we need to look at the future a little bit. So with with Trincon coming in, you got Lautaro possibly coming. Um, you need a younger midfield. You need a younger defense. So I just think you know. Just just try to see how much money you can make with the sales of older players. And then you bring a younger um, group of players. So whatever that costs, I read just keep the money, uh, keep the, the young players like Dembele and Artur, uh, who are the, the latest to be linked to, uh, with that package that you talked about. I'd, I'd rather just keep them and... Uh, find the money to sign uh, younger players uh, because I don't think Inter would want any players um, and the ones they um, might want, I don't think Barca would, would let go anyway. Agreed. Uh, the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as a backup, uh, there was a story about that this week covered on the site. Do you do you think there's any validity to that? Like for me, that's that would, that's such a strange move. Uh, it's not it's not necessarily lateral in terms of age and consistency from Suarez to to Aubameyang, but for the amount of cash that they would have to spend, uh, which isn't like a lateral level of cash, but it's still significant. Um, do you view that as um, reasonable, or do you think that's just kind of a strange downtime sort of transfer rumor? Um, it's been gaining traction for months now um, because Arsenal are actually really worried about lo- losing him, especially if they don't get champions like this season. And obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with the season, but let's just say he comes back and, and it's completed and Arsenal don't get into the Champions League. It's pretty likely that Aubameyang is leaving. Um And I wouldn't exactly mind having him because I, I just think he's such a great player. And um, and he's he's so different from anyone we have. Like we don't have anyone with his pace. We don't have anyone with his with his ability to play in a, in a 
much uh, in a lot of different positions, sorry, um, like him. And um, I think he would be an asset. But again, the age. I think we should go just young and plan for the future, even if it means not winning as much. I think a little bit of a rebuild, um, American sports style, it's needed. And I, I, I just don't know if, if Obama fits that. So Chelsea are reportedly interested in Philippe Coutinho. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I used to write about Chelsea. Like this is a very Chelsea like rumor for me. I don't actually think there's any validity or realism to Coutinho going to Chelsea. In my opinion, um, it would seem like, I don't know. I Coutinho is a strange one to me because part of me also feels like he could be fine at Barcelona as like a backup, but he's also not going to be a backup. So I, I don't even know what to do with Coutinho anymore. Like I, I'm kind of tired of, uh, I almost just want him sold because I don't. He he's like in this strange middle ground to me between someone who is still worth a decent amount of money, but also someone who, if he stayed at Barcelona, wouldn't make the starting eleven most of the time. Yeah, it's, he's just really expensive. That's such an issue with him. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like you. I just want him gone at this point. I don't think there's any chance for for him succeeding at Barcelona. I don't. You, I don't. I just think he's not the type of player for us. He never was. He never made sense. I was against his signing from day one, and he um, just doesn't fit. He's too similar to Messi, and um, I'm just talking about play style, obviously. Sure. Um, he's too similar to Messi, uh, so it's hard to have two players of that specific. Um, skill set on the team because you sacrifice so much of the, the speed and, and and the variance and the dynamic um, uh, variations you can have on the team. You just lose that with two, with those two guys together on the team. Um, and um, I I don't know. I, I just don't think he's going to get sold this summer just because he's too expensive and Barcelona won't accept um, less money. I think this summer they're still. Uh, looking at recoup mode, we need to get the money back or at least some of it, a uh, large portion of it. But I think in like 18 months or something, uh, in 12 months, they're going to realize, yeah, let's just get whatever we can for this guy. But it, I don't think it's going to be this summer. I still think they see him as an expensive asset and some team is going to pay a lot of money for him. So they're still going to try that. Yep. So before we move on to our, our fun topic and take a quick uh, break, what is the one thing you miss about, um, and, and you can't say watching games, but like something specific, what, what do you miss about uh, Barcelona actually playing football? Uh, is Messi too easy of an answer? No, no. I, I, think in, I think in this strange time we live in, uh, I think the easy answer is okay. Okay, so Messi. <laughs> okay. Just watching Messi. Even this season, which hasn't been his best, he's still better than everybody else. And mm-hmm. I really miss watching him. Yeah, I was thinking about that with like the when the NBA got canceled um, or suspended. And it was like, if if the Champions League, La Liga, like the NBA, like all that stuff like doesn't come back or comes back in like a strange capacity, like we're losing um, a significant portion, an important portion of like the golden year or one of the few remaining golden years for like a LeBron James and a Lionel Messi. And like, that's just going to be super strange to look back on. Um, yeah. I like, mean, that's, that's a really sad thing that I thought about. I was watching 
a Lakers game yesterday because I'm just watching a lot of old games. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this isn't actually old. It's just the Lakers Clippers game for for la- for the last Sunday of games. Yeah, I think a couple Sundays ago, and it was just an awesome game. Um, and LeBron was in the fourth quarter was just LeBron. Um, and I was like, man, we're not going to see a lot of this guy anymore. And now the season has stopped and uh, who knows when it's coming back. So we just basically lost three months of LeBron. And that's really sad. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing with Messi. So uh, definitely something that's going to be strange to look back on and is obviously pretty disappointing in the moment. So we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back to talk about our favorite TV shows. Alrighty, and we're back. So, Renato, we want to do something a little bit fun this week. So, without um, without actually having any football to watch or really to talk about because of the strange um, circumstances we are in, uh, each week until football is back, we're going to do something a little fun, pick a topic to talk about. So, this week we decided to do our favorite TV shows. Uh, I know you're you're more of a I just watch sports guy, but you have to have TV shows. So, I'll go first. How many TV shows do you have written down, by the way? I, I again. Uh, I told you before. I told you this before we started recording. I'm gonna tell the people. I am the most boring person in the world. I only watch sports, so I don't have. And I have a pretty busy life outside of work and, and watching sports. So the only free time I have, I watch sports. It's the only thing I like to do. But in your entire life, you have to have watched TV shows that you like. I've watched five in my life. Cool. Well, we, so, we could talk about all five of those. You asked, uh, you, you asked me to pick my favorite three. I've only watched five, so it was pretty easy. Well, there you go. That's good. So I'll go first. Um, okay. I have... I wrote down only six. So if you have three, I'll go two for every one of yours. Um, And people like you, some of you have probably seen these. For those of you who haven't, this is some great uh, quarantined in your house TV viewing. Um, I have four serious ones and two funny ones. Actually, well, three funny ones and three serious ones. So I'm going to do a serious one and a funny one because, you know, sometimes you're a little down. You don't want to necessarily watch something super serious. So... Uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit. So first is obviously uh, a favorite of many's Breaking Bad. Uh, I think if you haven't seen Breaking Bad at this point. Um, not on my list. I haven't, I not, haven't not watched Not on your list. So I will give you a quick synopsis of it. Uh, it is basically about a high school science teacher who turns into a meth kingpin and uh, follows the hijinks. Of, did you, do you know who Brian Cranston is? Okay, here's the thing. I don't watch a lot of shows, but I know a lot about them. If you say uh, the name of the show, I know that like Brian Cranston is Walter White, and there's Jesse Pinkman. Okay, so you Jenny. know like the cultural significance of some of these things, then? Yeah, I do know how big these shows are. Okay. I just don't have time to watch them. So I, I'll, I'll actually probably know all the shows you're talking about and know a little bit about them. Um, and I do know that Breaking Bad is one of the greatest shows of all time, so I'm okay with that. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, so that's kind of like the serious one. Um, I think uh, it, it's like a very, when I watched it years ago, it's like a hard show to binge watch because it is like very dark at some points. It uh, deals a lot with like addiction and things like that, but it's also just a very well-written dramatic show. Um, so to lighten things up, uh, the second recommendation is Kirby Enthusiasm. Um, obviously the great Larry David, uh, creator of Seinfeld. This is his... I. I would say pet project. Um, it's it's back this year for its tenth year, but he's kind of done it spread out ten seasons over the last like twenty years, um, 
it's really just like it's a satire of his life so like his real friends are in it uh and if you like seinfeld this is basically just like larry david incarnate uh and so that's kind of my my funny recommendation it's on hbo um, but i think a lot of the episodes are on amazon prime video for free if you uh if you want to watch that so those are my first two recommendations take the stage renato Okay, first one um, is House MD. It's my favorite show ever. Um, I fell in love with uh, with the show. I've watched it probably like five or six times, um, and uh, it's just great. Um, I think obviously it got silly at the end because it's eight seasons and it's really weird and uh, unknown medical conditions. Wait, is uh, this so- the house that's on Fox? Yeah, Dr. House. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, I just gotcha. call it House MD because the name of the show, but Dr. House. Okay. Uh, Hugh Laurie is just tremendous. Yeah, my wife loves that show. I was never able to get into it because I like medical shows for some reason just like stressed me out worse than like any sort of murder show ever. <laughs> for some reason, just like the medical field freaks me out and I don't like seeing behind the curtain even if it's a fake curtain. Yeah. Um, also, because um, if you're a hypochondriac, you automatically feel like you have all the crazy diseases that are on the show so my mom started watching it and she stopped (laughs) because she thinks she has everything that people have i don't i just think it's a great show and uh i i do love the sherlock holmesy vibe of it um um i always i was into sherlock holmes as a kid and dr house is basically medical sherlock holmes um and i just love the show because of it it's my favorite my favorite ever. There you go. So Sherlock Holmes. So they they remade it with um not remade it. They made a Sherlock Holmes with Benedict Cumberbatch and Cumberbatch whatever. And uh, who's the guy who plays uh, fr- uh Martin Freeman? They made like a the BBC made a show with those two guys as um, Sherlock and Watson. Have you seen that? No. So that's on I, that's on Netflix and it's like kind of like a slow burn like enjoyable. So if you like Sherlock Holmes, maybe watch one of those, but cuz okay. if if you like Benedict and Martin Freeman, they like they do really well together and they have great chemistry, so that might be a good show. Here's the thing though. I don't like watching my favorite books if that makes sense. So I have okay. never I have never ever seen a Harry Potter ever. What? Just because I'm such a crazy Harry Potter um addict from the mo- from the books? Yeah. I don't want the movies to ruin it. Dude, so I'm actually doing it the opposite way. So the books I'm reading right now, I'm going through the Harry Potter books finally. Because like I've loved the movies for years. And I'm on the Goblet of Fire right now um, reading the books. And that's so interesting. Because like, I'm doing it the reverse way. And I'm finding that I enjoy the books more. But like the movies still hold up pretty well. But I get what you're saying. Like, it's weird seeing on screen the things that you've idolized in a book. Yeah, but just because movies miss so much stuff. Mm-hmm. So a they lot literally of use the books as a script. Like I was kind of surprised reading the books afterwards how like a lot of movies will like kind of take creative freedoms. Like I don't think they took one creative freedom so far. Okay, that's good. And I haven't watched, but people say it's pretty close. But still, there you don't get all the details you get in the books. So yeah, like a lot uh, of the descriptions of people, um, yeah. you you obviously like they don't like say the descriptions of people they just like visualize the people so like some of the the way jk rowling writes about like the descriptors of some of the teachers and like random people in the books is incredible yeah that kind of small stuff that i that made me fall fall in love with the books more than anything else 
Um, so I just I just haven't watched a movie. So I I've never watched any. I haven't watched the Sherlock Holmes movie that they made with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, That's because I think those um, movies were crap. Okay, so okay then I haven't missed anything. But I was the the two things I read the most as a kid were, were Sherlock and Harry Potter. So there you go. Um, so next two TV shows for me, uh, Mr. Robot. Uh, which is a show on USA Network. It actually just finished last year. Uh, it's it's a nice, like a lot of these shows like will carry on too long. They stopped at four seasons. Um, Sam Esmail is the uh, the creator of the show and Rami Malek, the guy who was in Queen, is the star of the show. Uh, this is kind of where he got his, his break. Um, this is about a, a computer hacker with some mental um, instabilities. Uh, like, I don't think they actually ever, like, he doesn't actually get diagnosed, but, like, he has, like, a split personality um, problem, and you kind of, you, you, it explores that and some of the, the ways that it um, it shows itself in, like, the workplace. And, like, basically, there's, like, a, there's this giant evil company that's, like, it, it's a very good show. Like, the premise of it sounds kind of ridiculous, but Sam Esmail's a really good writer and does a good job of kind of portraying it. Um, the... The second show that I would recommend is Fargo, the TV show. Uh, some of you have probably seen Fargo, the, the movie from 1985, I believe. This is, um, it takes some of the same like comedic overtones and um, puts it into a TV series. So um, in season one, it's Billy Bob Thornton um, and some other great actors. And then season two, it's different actors, but it's like it all exists in this Fargo universe. And it's like a very in season three's um, Ewan McGregor plays two characters. Um, it's like a very funny, somewhat dramatic, but mostly funny. Just like and if you've seen the Fargo movie, like it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like it's this like Minnesotan um, vibe. that's just like a very fun chill watch um would be a great a great show to watch in this uh in this quarantined time because it's not too dramatic but it's also like it's very well written um and those were on fx so i think they're on hulu if i'm not mistaken but those are my two recommendations renato what's next um uh next for me is brooklyn 99 oh um, yes it's just it's just to me it's a perfect comedy like it's everything lands uh, they have like to me uh, and I've watched again here's another thing about me because I don't have a lot of time to watch TV shows I don't have time to get into new ones and I don't want to get into new ones because I don't have the time to watch them so what I do is I re-watch the ones I like because sometimes I do it while while I'm working so um, it just doesn't just distract me a lot so anyway uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is perfect for that because all, all the episodes and almost all the episodes are great. They have like one or two bad ones every season. Uh, so that's a great ratio, especially for doing 20 plus episodes. If you have two bad ones, that that's an amazing ratio. Um, and it's such a great show. It's such a great show. This season to me, season seven, that's going on right now, is the best season they've had. Uh, and after season five, which I thought... Um, it was impossible. It could get any better than season five. Um, season seven is is kicking uh, season five's butt right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the last episode was just uh, the last episode I watched was uh, which was episode seven um, of season seven was just perfect um, um, for especially for a long time fan. Uh, ever uh, people who have watched Brooklyn Nine Nine since the first episode. Uh, the seven, the episode seven of season seven is just the perfect for 
for longtime watchers. And uh, it's 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 a, another one of my favorites. So what what channel or network hosts that show now? Because I know like I think Fox canceled it, and then there it's was like. It's on NBC. NBC. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because I knew there was like, I remember there was some drama with like it got canceled, but the fan base was so outraged that it came back. Yep. yep. It went to NBC. Okay. So yeah, I've seen, um, I think the first season and some of the second season, and that show's incredible. Very funny, like a super easy watch, uh, well-written, like great camera work. Like they do some of that office camera work where they'll like zoom in on people and like they always have good timing down, uh, great actors. That's an amazing show. Um, next for me, uh, and these are um, these are just incredible. One of their complete opposites. So Mindhunter, um, one of the more incredible pieces of crime noir that I've ever seen or read. Um, this is David uh, David Fincher's work with Netflix over the last I think four years. They've done two seasons. Um, if you like the Zodiac, David Fincher's one of his earlier films in the early 2000s. This is like a this is like a love letter to it's strange saying love letter because it's like a very it's a messed up show with no violence somehow. Like basically it's about the foundation of the behavioral science unit of uh, the FBI in the 70s, uh, late 60s, early 70s, I believe. And basically how like it shows like the interviewing of all these like people who became famous like serial killers, like how they like this was kind of where the term came from was these guys were interviewing these repeat offenders. Um, and if you are a fan of David Fincher, like he the detail is overwhelming, like the the shots that he's able to conjure in this and this TV series is incredible. Like all of his movies are a little bit long, but they also um, you also have always kind of wondered like what would happen if you just had like 10 hours of time uh, for Fincher. And this is kind of this is what you got. Like if you liked social network, like the detail that he has in movies like that, like this is this is it. Um, incredible acting. It's well written. Um, it is like darker. But if you're fascinated with um, serial killers, I think David Fincher does a good job in all his work of not like um, of not idolizing these people, but instead like um kind of doing a good job of respecting victims and like making sure that you don't come out of these thinking like, Oh, well, these guys are cool. And uh, so just an incredible piece of work. It's on Netflix as well. Um, and, and finally my, my last recommendation is Veep, um, from HBO. This is of course, um, the famous show about Selena Myers, the vice president played by Julie Louis-Dreyfus from Seinfeld and other great pieces of work. She won the Emmy for this, like I think five or six times in like the, the time that the show ran and went through two different showrunners. Um, they stopped about halfway in between and switched to a different showrunner and it just, it kept a different tone, but one of the more incredibly funny, um, it's ridiculously crass and, uh, just a great, an incredible comedy. Um, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is amazing. The supporting actors in the show are great. That is on HBO and it's a very funny and uh, relevant watch, I would say. So Renato time for your third and final favorite tv show oh i have one more i forgot oh um, there you go that's true um i'm going with a very very um boring like i said very boring uh so down on yourself uh no it's just i don't i just watch sports man again that's what sports um friends it's classic and uh, it's very good and it's very funny that's all i have to say if you haven't watched friends i don't know i don't know what's your problem yeah, that's good. Uh, I I don't even know where you find friends anymore because I think it's off Netflix now, isn't it? 
Yeah, so that's why I have saved in my own uh, personal way. There you go. Yeah, okay, cool. Me too. Um, (laughs) So... I did want to do one last thing before we headed out each week. I think it'd be fun to give like a recommendation, whether that's a book, a podcast, um, food, uh, a sports game that you've watched recently that people should go back and rewatch. I'll let you think of one, but I'm going to go ahead and give um, a book recommendation. Red rising. Before you you do that, uh, I mentioned that I've only watched five shows in my life and I mentioned three of them. So I think it makes sense to say, just say what the other two are. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one house of cards, obviously it's uh, it's aged horribly, (laughs) but until Kevin Spacey, uh, was okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a great show. Just great. Especially the first two seasons. Yes. Some of the best two seasons in the history of TV. I don't care. Yep. Uh, first season, especially I think first season is the best season of anything ever on TV. I just don't care what anyone says. It's very good. Uh, and the other one is um, 13 Reasons Why, which is the uh, darkest stuff you, I've ever watched. <laughs> Dude, you could have given me six years. That would not have been the show that I came up with based off of your four shows that you've previously mentioned. <laughs> I would never have gotten 13 Reasons Why. Never. Yeah, my best friend recommended it to me. And and uh, all the best movies I've ever watched are the ones that he recommends. Mm-hmm. So he was like, watch this show. And I was like, all right. So I watched it. I, I was haunted by it, <laughs> by it for weeks after each season. So like I watched, I binge watched every season as soon as it came out, um, and I was haunted for for weeks after each season. So it's a hard show to watch, but I think it's um, especially season one is really good. Season two is garbage. Uh, season three is okay, but again, I watched it. <laughs> but I won't watch again if if it if it comes to that. If there's season four. I won't watch just because it's too hard. There you go. 13 reasons why uh, your fifth ever TV show. So my recommendation for the week is a book by Pierce Brown. Uh, It's called Red Rising. It's the first book in, um, I think there's five books so far and all of them are incredible, but this is the first one. Uh, It's basically, it's in 2014. It's like a sci-fi dystopian novel um, about, it's like kind of set on the future planet of Mars um, like in the f- far future, and there's basically like a caste system has taken place, and it follows the story of someone at the bottom of that caste system and kind of the uprising that takes place. Um, the The caste system is based off of colors, and the reds are the lowest, so red rising. Uh, this title's pretty self-explanatory. Um, this was, I, I think, a great book is one that like you start um, with the intention of like, hey, I'm going to read a little bit more. Like I had a book goal last year. And this was one of the last few ones. I was like, I'm just going to read, you know, like a chapter a day kind of thing. Um, and picked it up and read like all 400-ish pages in a day. It was like one of those where like I couldn't go to sleep till I finished the book. So Red Rising, great book recommendation. Um, also, for those of you who are out there who like Kindle, Amazon right now is doing free two months of Kindle Unlimited. Um Uh, which is pretty cool for those of you that are stuck at home and don't want to buy books or can't afford books. I don't like buying books, so Kindle Unlimited is great. Also, your local library um, has like an online Kindle library, so if you have a library card, you can um, go online and check books out digitally without having to leave your house. So there you go, two recommendations, library and Red Rising. Cool. Uh, Just one thing, I don't read online books. I hate it. I have to have the paper in my hand. I read a lot of books, but I uh, I don't have a lot of money to buy them. But I buy all the books that I read, and I have to have them in my hands. Uh, I'm an old uh, I'm an old soul that way. 
I used to be I, with you, but I, my eyes are so bad. I couldn't like I bought Lord of the Rings because um, I hadn't read them a few years ago and I couldn't see the text like my, oh. even with glasses. So I was like, forget it. And now I read my Kindle on like the, the biggest font possible. And people make fun of me because there's like 10 words on the screen. I still have good eyes, so yeah, I there you go. I, I use the paper. Uh, it's just it's just another experience, and when you when you just go through the pages, it's just there's not there's nothing like it. there's just nothing like it. Agreed. Oh man, a recommendation, uh, uh, um, because um, although I said I don't uh, watch a lot of stuff other than sports, I do watch a lot of movies. But I guess we could talk about movies another time. So I'm not going to recommend a movie today. Um, what about a favorite meal, a podcast you've listened to, a uh, even like a freaking like a sports game you've watched recently that was like in the past that you would just recommend rewatching? Yeah, I'm thinking that. Um, uh, I won't recommend um, food because I eat all of it, um, <laughs> and I like all that I eat, so I don't have I don't really have a favorite. Um, I'm a fat person. Um, anyway, um, you know what? Just because this is a Barcelona podcast and it's one of my favorite games ever, 2011 Champions League final, mm. Barcelona versus Manchester United, the greatest performance by any team in the history of the sport. Based on the importance of the game, the quality of the opponent, just because that is the marquee game in the Pep Guardiola era is... I was already a Barcelona fan for 10 years before that game, uh, but that game kind of really solidified my love for the club because it was just, just the greatest football game I've ever watched in my life, hands down. Yeah, like you so, think about the names that were in that match, like the goal scorers, right? Like I know Pedro scored first and then Rooney matched it, like I think less than 10 minutes later. And so going into half, you had a 1-1 a Champions League uh, match where in London at Wembley, where Wayne Rooney scored the tying goal and then Barcelona come out in the second half and Messi and Villa just put it away. Yeah, and if you think of, of like the, the the story of that team was that the midfield created the goals for the forwards. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the goals, first goal, Pedro, assist by Xavi. Second goal, Messi, assist by Iniesta. Third goal, Villa, assist by Busquets. It couldn't be more perfect. Yep. You couldn't have written that stuff. It was just perfectly set up. And like you said, it was 1-1 at halftime, but it should have been 3-4-0 or 3-4-1. It was just a masterful performance. One of the most magical football games ever. And for Barcelona fans, is the game. The game. Anyone who's a Barca fan for more than ten years, you ask, "What's the one game you remember?" They will. They'll tell you two. There's two answers: the five-nil against Real Madrid in 2010. But for me, number one is this one, just because it's again, it's the greatest team performance ever by any football team um, in the history of the sport. Um, and I've watched a lot of really old games because, like I said, I'm a fan of sports. All I do is watch sports, and I've watched the greatest teams of all time. Um, the, the best games from the best teams ever, none, none of them compared to this. 2011 Champions League final, you can find it um, 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 on YouTube or other sites, you're going to find it. Um, and it's just a, an incredible watch. Yeah, there you go. So, um, do you have anything else before we head out? No, that's it. Um, just stay safe, everyone. It's yep. a weird time. It's uh, it's sad. It's really sad, but 
stay close, uh, stay, stay close to the ones you love, but not a lot of them <laughs> just <laughs> make sure to stay home. Um, and, uh, th- this is going to pass soon. Yep. The world has been through worse stuff and the world has recovered. And now because we're so connected now, we're, we're able to kind of stay closer to the people without really having to be near them, which is important at this moment. So just stay safe and, uh, Tell, t- tell the people that you love that you actually love them because times like this remind us that you might not see them yeah. uh, for too long. So just just make sure that you stay safe and you, you, you stay close to the, those you love. And if you can't stay close to them, just tell them you love them. You just need to call them or send them a WhatsApp message. Yeah. Uh, I, I think someone put it well, physical distancing doesn't mean emotional distancing. Um, be sure you're talking to the ones you care about be sure you're staying healthy, um, emotionally, um, listen to your government, be smart. Don't be, don't be an idiot. And, uh, we will be back to talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Oh.